Alrighty, guys, welcome to the month of October, a very, very special month here at the Friends Against Government podcast. I'm Carr, with me as always is Bird, and we'd like to welcome all of our new listeners. We've got a tradition here at the Friends Against Government podcast, and that is, if you feel so compelled, go over to iTunes, give us five stars, and leave us a really, really bad review. Really bad. If you, if you do that, we'd certainly be appreciative. You can even give us one star if you like. Uh... Today, we've got an interesting topic, and this whole month, we're going to have some interesting topics. I'm going to toss it over to Bird, and he's going to get into some details. Okay. Well, guys, thank you for listening, everybody. Uh, Before we actually start, I I have a call to action for all of our our fags out there. This month, we're really busting our butts to put out good content for you guys. We got a bonus episode coming out at the end of the month. It's a movie review. I'm pretty excited to release it to everybody. And then, on October 31st, a Wednesday, I might add, a fag day, we have a super special episode coming out. It's going to be a bunch of guests, lots of topics, keeping it quick. It's going to be way longer than a regular podcast, and we'll have timestamps for it and everything, because it's going to be a work to get through, but we, uh, we're we really excited to bring these things to you. So, call to action, tell a fag. Everybody recruit go out, fag. recruit a fag. That's what we're going to call it, recruit a fag. Go out, tell your friends, hey, do you like comedy? Listen to this podcast, at least for this month. That's what we got. So, without any further ado, let's get into the topic. And that topic today oh, 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 oh. Is... Let me Let me set the stage, Carr. Yeah, do let it. Let me set the stage on this one. Carr, what if I told you that there's a philosophical theory out there that says... That there are people who exist, who have all the physical experiences in the world. They feel, they sense, they taste, they smell, but they have nothing going on at home. That they don't actually have a form of consciousness, but they react as if they did. I'd say that is a pretty heavy topic. Spooky topic. Well... Spooky topic. It's a philosophical theory called philosophical zombies, or some people just call them thought zombies. Right, right, Ooh. right. So, yeah, and this is this is uh, really this is a fascinating topic. You you actually turned me onto this not that long ago, probably yeah. two or three weeks ago, and I had never heard of it. For spooky, um, it's it, it. This is a very cool topic because it combines a lot of our interests here. One is the parent. You could call this paranormal. Definitely. Um, you could call it not quite a cryptid, but uh, uh, probably in that same hemisphere of thought. Right. And also, it brings in some pretty heavy philosophical implications, particularly with the concepts of self ownership and non aggression. So, mm. uh, this this is a really really cool topic that ties a lot of threads together, brings a lot of worlds colliding. Now. It began, this theory, as just a thought experiment to kind of like rebuff some, you know, physicalist thinkers, people who thought that the only things that exist are like things that have physical sensation to them, that there's there's nothing beyond that. And, and so we can go into the philosophy of it. But I think in the spirit of this podcast, we can also go into the creepiness of it because there's yeah. a couple like sub theories to the philosophical zombie theory or or thought experiment however you want to put it that uh they've all been given quite uh creepy names i think 
you know, in this sense, philosophers are actually having a sense of humor because there's there's several different related thought experiments, and they've they've all been given them very creepy names. So, yeah, I mean, we can we can go into it whichever way you want to take it, and I can lay the stage for us. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'd like you to kind of lead through because I definitely am not as familiar with the topic and, and up until you brought it to my attention, was not familiar at all with the topic. Um, but, you know, we all know zombies from uh, the movies where it's very outwardly apparent who is a zombie and who is not. Right. Uh, this presents a tables turned type deal where you are interacting, according to this theory, with those you perceive to be sentient uh, and self-conscious and self-aware, and though they may not be. Right. So, Bird, you want to take us... Where, where do you want to start this discussion? Because I, I'm, I'm really interested in it, but I don't know if I know where to start nibbling. I, you know, I, I'll, I'll just lay the framework, and, if, if you, yep. and, and then when I finish, maybe you, you'll have a, a question, and, and we can just go from there. Um. So basically, we all know what zombies are, right? Zombies yep. are these imaginary creatures. They they shamble around looking for brains. They hung. They're hungry. They come in groups. Uh, you know, they 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 hunt. They stink. They're rotting. They're corpses. This is something a little bit different, a little creepier. Yeah. This is the idea that those same creatures basically can exist in a form no different physically from myself or Carr or you, the listener. This is basically uh, the idea that, you know, kick a zombie, it reacts. Uh, give a zombie food, it eats. Well, what if there are people in the world who have the same sort of experience where they're not really at home, the light's not really on, that they're sort of just going about life in any way that any normal person would, but they don't have an actual conscious experience. Now, you might be thinking, well, then how could they ever go about existing within the world? Well, it's because they still react in the same way that any of us would. Say, Carr, I drop a weight on your dick, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know why I went with that first. You'd react. You'd probably be in pain, right? Yep. Now... How would I know that you're in pain? Well, I would I would elicit a physical responses. I would cry out right. uh, and wince. Uh, I would physically react. Right. So what if I told you that this theory, this thought experiment, is that these zombies do exactly the same thing? But right. the difference is, somewhere deep down, I think all of us could acknowledge, although there's a group of people who would say this is not the case, you feel that pain, right? It's not mm -hmm. simply that you react to it, but that you feel it, that you, you wince from the thought of it even happening to you because you can almost feel the pain. These right. zombies have no ability to do that. They just sort of always respond without actually feeling. They're getting the green light at a red light. Now it's time to go. They're Basically. not feeling anything. They're just responding to instruction. Basically. And, and actually, now that you bring that up, there's a, a sub-theory that we can get into later. So everybody, remember green light and red light. Remember colors. We'll get into that later. So with that, what's your first thought, Carr? What do you think about these philosophical zombies? Do you think they could exist 
in the real world? Now remember, they're a thought experiment, but people have taken this in a creepy direction with things called NPCs, right? It's a joke yeah. about non-player characters, uh, right. things from video games. The joke being, of course, you know, you have that guy, you all know that guy who works in an office from 9 to 5, you don't know any of his personal interests, you just know that he goes home, right? You don't really know anything about him. He doesn't express any joy towards anything or any interest towards anything. This is a separate thing, and yet it's kind of tied to it. Do you think these people exist? These creatures? Do they live among us? Right. I think... So it reminds me, to back out a little bit, it reminds me of... I I can't remember who said this. I'm going to butcher the exact wording. But the idea... I think it was a French philosopher. The idea is that... I can't be certain that I exist. I can be fairly certain. I could, let's say I'm 99% certain that I exist. Mm-hmm. Then you work outwards from there. The people closest to you that have been there your whole life, say my mother and father, I'm 98% sure that they exist. Right. And then you, you know, and so on and so forth. So that, you know, let's say somebody that you've never seen in pick random person in Nepal how certain are you that they exist it's somewhere less than 98 percent. i mean it's the the intent of the thought experiment is not to quantify exactly what that percentage is it's just it's just to say definitely not a hundred right is that you can't even be certain that you exist but you're pretty certain um and it's a convenient point to work from because if you assume that you don't exist where do you go from there right uh so and then you just work outwards from there and and the things that you have physically seen uh you know for instance uh i'm more certain qualitatively that pike's peak exists than i am that mount everest exists right i've physically been on pike's peak right now sort of an empiricist argument see here's what the the philosophical zombies was actually meant to address was this uh physicalist argument which which comes from empiricism now if you know anything about empiricism so empiricism is basically the idea that you can only know truth from what your senses tell you so your sense experience uh delivers to you the only things you know to be true uh this physicalist uh conversation goes one step further it says that not only uh can those things that you experience physically tell you uh about truth but that the only things that exist are physical things that there there is no consciousness or or that if it is it is a uh result of sort of physical processes Mm. the 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 philosophical point about these zombies is uh you know if you're if you're actually trying to rebut that argument is to say well then what is the difference between these zombies and us yeah, which which brings all sorts of, and I think we dove into this with Dino in a previous episode. Uh, brings into question what is the human experience, or what is what makes us human, and say um, a monkey not human, right? Um, and it's an area that uh, the listeners probably know that you are far more uh, adept at navigating than I am, but it's interesting to me nonetheless. Um, man, I'm trying. I'm thinking about how I want to go about this. Um, well, I'll throw this bone at you. Okay. Are you someone who thinks that only physical things are real? No. 
And why do you think that? Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that I have a good answer, but I, I definitely believe in, if you want to just blanket, call it the unseen. Hmm. Ooh, the unseen. <laughs> well, what if yeah, I told I, you I, maybe I, one of the only ways that you could know that uh, more than just the physical things were real is because you feel them, right? That you, mm-hmm. you can imagine, mm-hmm. right? And that you can imagine sort of a, a situation which you know has not occurred. Now, there's ancient Greek philosophers all the way to modern philosophers who will say, well, if you can imagine it, then in some way it has occurred. But just for the sake of, of, of rebutting a physicalist argument, that do you think that non-physical things exist? Yes. Does joy exist? Right. And is joy purely something that exists uh, in a physical form within the brain, or is there something else there? Is there some sort of thing that we're calling to? This is something that we haven't really dived into and certainly something that I am not uh, particularly open about, not because I'm guarded, but just because it's it, it's something that I don't know that I have a full understanding of. Um, but I do believe that there, I, I'm not religious, uh, but I do believe that there is something greater and I don't know what that is. Right. It, it could be collective consciousness it could be some energy it could be i i don't know uh but i do i do not believe that i'm the biggest fish in this tank right um and i believe that people and things and experiences and time are all connected in some way shape or form and I don't know what it is, and I could not go stand up at a lectern and tell you why I believe it. Um, but there are experiences that I've had through life that that lead me in that direction. Um, and I, I, I'm not sure exactly why, and I tend to be a very engineer brain, um, this or that type person, but in this particular regard, I'm not. Let me let me show you uh, sort of what I mean here, because you've made a very good point about God or, or some sort of God, something that exists beyond us in another dimension, perhaps doing things that interact with our dimension, right? This is an argument, of course, you can't prove it, and yet some people know it to be true, but of course we can't prove it. But how, right. what about if I told you that there's logical ways that we could prove that people who say that things that are physical are the only things that exist are wrong because we can prove through their own arguments that this is not the case. I would be very curious to hear. So, the the physicalist argument is, you know, even things which can be imagined come from a physical place, right? And so we assume anything that can be imagined is in some way physical, whether it's the result of the thoughts of your brain or, or whatever, Processes that go on in your brain, they, they, they come in physical forms. Well, you who works with math, you know numbers don't exist. And yet, in some way, they do. This is right. one, one point. You can use these numbers that don't actually exist in the real world to inform what you will do in the real world. 
right? Right, right. So, so two pebbles on a table is two. That's a physical manifestation of the idea of two. At what point do you, at what point do you bring it down to the atomic level and decide that it becomes a pebble? Mm. This is Plato's, actually Plato's theory of forms is, is basically this: that there's some point at which we recognize when a thing is a thing, and so. Right. Because no thing actually exists, which is a perfect version of this thing, it must exist in some other place. Because how else would we ever be able to decipher what a pebble is if all we ever see are imperfect versions of sort of a thing we're linking all of these other things together with, if that makes sense to you? So so you're saying that there is an idea of the perfect pebble somewhere and, and what we have are imperfect representations well, this is one argument. This is the platonic okay. argument. That, sure, right, yeah. if you have those two pebbles, do those pebbles look the same? Probably not, but they look similar. Right, and even if they looked incredibly similar, do you know them to be the same? It's impossible. Yeah. The actual okay. atoms that make those things up are different, and so they can be arranged in exactly the same way, and yet somehow they aren't the same. Right. And so okay. that's one rebut to this zombie argument that well if this is the case if we can imagine uh, a world where these physicalists everything they say is true that everything has to be physical well then we can imagine in exactly that framework a world where these zombies exist where their consciousness does not because obviously if you're a physicalist then you think the consciousness is something physical and so if you can imagine it to not exist then obviously it is a plausible world you can imagine a plausible world of people who have no consciousness. And so consciousness must be something else if you can just separate it. Hmm. If you can imagine a world where you can separate the consciousness from these zombies, and yet these zombies act exactly in the same way, perceptively and physically, then the consciousness must be something different. It must hmm. exist outside of the physical world is that is this where the um brain is an antenna type uh, uh uh discussions come from well explain that to me uh i you know i've i've read and been exposed to a lot of uh ideas theorizing that that the brain is is not does not possess if you will that's kind of a clunky word consciousness it's merely a receptor for consciousness elsewhere right and if you were to make that argument and you could prove it it would also be sort of support for these these philosophical zombies right that, yeah that, you know where is that knowledge coming from it must be someplace else uh-huh someplace not physical right mm. and of course like i said these are not gotcha arguments against the physicalists physicalists have responded to these arguments but for the purposes of being spooky i'm gonna go and put this out and uh we'll just we'll let the viewers do any deeper digging than they need than they that, you know that they want to right so that's what the philosophical zombie represents that if you can take out the consciousness of something and just leave a pure physical form that acts exactly the same then what it, what really is our consciousness what does it do? Yeah, it's a, it's that's a deep question, man. And it's spooky because what if these people actually exist? Right. What if they're walking around? 
Why why would everyone be born with a consciousness? Right. Yeah, they might yeah. live among and, us, you know what I'm saying? Right. And where does it come from and uh it's it's just a really curious thought. Um If you accept that in this world cuz we just talked about the pebbles, right? Mhm. If you accept that in this world there are no absolutes, right? Which I think is reasonable yep. to assume because you know that those two pebbles will never look the same. Yeah, and you know right. that when you use numbers, what you're really doing is always estimating, but, you know, just as closely as possible. What do you mean by that? Like, if, you know, you said two pebbles, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's just a, that's the only reason why you've chosen two is because you think it's two. Because Oh, okay, so you're... You're you're saying that of the X amount of atoms that make up those two things, we've right. roughly divided them into two pebbles. Right, and we know that atoms can be further divided even than atoms themselves into protons, right. okay. electrons, neutrons. Yeah, yeah. You know? We've arbitrarily dictated the fact that this separation of atoms over here becomes one. It is one. Okay, I see right. what you're saying. Yeah, that's and so that's, yeah. In some way, there is no absolute because you can continue to divide until a point we don't yet understand. And maybe one day when we do understand it, thanks to science, we can close this argument. But if you right. accept in a world of no that there's a world of no absolutes then there is potential it doesn't mean that it's happened yet or that it ever will happen in the span of the existence of this universe but there's potential that a human being could be born with no consciousness and yet interact exactly the same way that we all do with one another it can happen all the things can be put together especially if you agree that the consciousness after we've talked about it if you agree that the consciousness is not physical in the first place then why would a physical thing really need it dude i just had a really bizarre thought and maybe this is already ground covered but if you accept that okay let me think about how to frame this so if you accept that that two pebbles sitting right next to each other on the table there is an arbitrary line divided somewhere in between those two clumps that we determine are pebbles Mm -hmm. And that line divides those two things, and we say, this is two. Mm-hmm. What if, in the case of human beings, which are, of course, clumps of atoms, mm-hmm. as we understand it, let's say they're standing next to each other, what if that imaginary knife that comes down to divide those two things has clumped two consciousnesses on one human being, mm. and that manifests itself in some in, in bipolar disorder? That's a thing I believe, I mean, you know, schizophrenia, I mean, or schizophrenia, schizophrenia yeah. comes from the Greek split, split mind. Right. And I believe that what you're talking about probably was something that people had thought at one time that, you know, if consciousness, you know, if consciousness is a thing, what makes it a thing and can you divide it? And if you can, where does consciousness begin? Where does it end? And how many of them really, how many parts that think can be clumped together into one thing that thinks? You know? It's, it's consciousness, man. It's, it's confused humanity for thousands of years. Yeah, right. Like there's just man. something different. Mind-boggling. Like, it's weird. It's, it's, hard, yeah. to, it's hard to conceive of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this is yeah. sort of how we know consciousness is a thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. It. I, it's. I mean. I think it's a fantastic uh, illustration of of that of that fact. It like must it, be it, it. Really. The interesting part is is, is how um, 
accurately it hones in on what we perceive to be real and unreal or, or conscious and unconscious and and it, it it pits those two things against each other uh very expertly right it's it's sort of really what is consciousness and at what point is it different from everything else if you're going to say the whole world is physical experience then if i can just take this thing out and people act all the same then what did i take out mm-hmm. yeah yeah. And where is it going? Like, if I take it out, what what do I do with it now? It's just consciousness that exists physically, but not tied to anything, you know? Right. It's weird. And spooky, because they're among us. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going to mm-hmm. keep saying that until everyone agrees. <laughs> <laughs> now, so I've got some sub-theories, if yeah. anyone is interested, that I can just uh, read to other people and give them a little mind jog uh if unless you have something for me no i don't i i don't think so um well actually i do i have something that i've been thinking about that i've been mulling over for quite some time and i think that this is the episode where i want to jam it in oh and it may be that this touches on one of the sub theories because you haven't told me what those sub theories are sure you know pre-recording uh and so if it starts to go that way, feel free to cut me off and we can just proceed with, with the, the real thing. But right. I have been grappling with the idea of kind of, with either consciousness or mental hijacking Ooh. through hypnosis. Whoa. That's okay. Weird. So I hate, it, is I, hypnosis real? Firstly, is hypnosis real? I, I don't. Well, <laughs> Like, have people been hypnotized? Well, uh, you know, you could take it into what is hypno. I mean, you I might actually know. I'm genuinely asking because I've never been hypnotized. Well, no, I, I've never been hypnotized. I, I mean, yeah, I think from from my understanding, there are people like like I've known people who have done the the. Um, well, I don't say I personally know them, but I, I've known of people, maybe second degree, that have done hypno- hypnosis for um, like mental tics. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, say that they they can't stop i don't know scratching their head when they talk or something like that i've i've known of people i think my dad worked with somebody who had some really some nervous tick that he did when he when he was speaking and he got promoted into a position where that was not going to be perceived well hmm. and and used hypnosis to to break it now whether that's a placebo what i have no idea i can, hmm. you know i can't really speak to the it almost doesn't what matter was, because it uh, did it all the it, same. It almost doesn't. Yeah, because one way or another, it stopped, right? Right. And so it, then the other – the okay, so the, the way that I was thinking about this is is almost you, – you look at it like a – kind of like a, a, a flow chart. Like human enters, X action happens, human exits in different state. Uh and so I was thinking about this particularly in regards to when we were talking about Project Climax. Mm-hmm. They, the uh, whoever it was, the CIA or the FBI, midnight brought climax. A, brought a woman in, right? Exposed her to massive amounts of psychedelics while torturing her. Yeah, she left and killed herself. Right. Right. So. <sighs> I understand that there is a difference between a traumatic experience and, and hypnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you take that uh, that concept and you say, what if, what if rather than that 
torturous experience, there was hypnosis involved. And, uh, and this also touches up, uh, uh, on the greater, um, MK ultra theory is that what are, you know, the, and there are MK ultra theories about like <laughs> actors and stuff like, like Sheila right. Boff, right? Yeah, I mean, right. it, that they have truly been hijacked hmm. where they have temp- tapped into their mental framework and are able to either precisely or roughly, you know, precisely control or roughly guide their actions. Right. Um, and at that point, are they responsible for their physical actions? Hmm. And that's something that I've been grappling with. Um, if you accept the fact that the mind can be hijacked, right? Which, for the thought of purpose of the thought experiment, you have to, right? Yeah, you have to. I mean, because if if not, then the answer is boring. Yeah, and we know, and we already know it. So, if you accept that, if you accept that the mind can be hijacked, and by hijacked uh, you mean specifically through, like in this hypnosis case hypnosis and controlled by another. <clears throat> sure. Is or let's that, even, you know what, since we're just accepting that that can happen, let's go more extreme so that we don't leave out anything. Not hypnosis, a mind control device. Okay, yeah. Now, so so if somebody is able to effectively mind control, is that is that hijacked human being, are they then still responsible for their actions? Right. So, I mean, even in the real world, you can talk about, you know, insanity you know pleading insanity yeah which you know right. i i'm i recall uh, reading a book about mckinley's assassination and um the guy who assassinated the previous president uh maybe it was garfield benjamin harrison was it benjamin harrison so <clears throat> the 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 assassin of benjamin harrison i believe it was they he was basically the first person who they used as a plea of insanity, right? They were like, oh, mm-hmm. this man is insane. He doesn't understand what he's doing, right? He has no uh, ability to comprehend his own actions. And so in the real world, you already see this without a third party being responsible for it. That there's already some acknowledgement that, well, there must be like, if you, like you, your physical actions and, and your mental orders, sometimes something can go awry. Yeah. Right. And so, not to trample on your thought experiment, but that's basically, right? That's kind of what we're talking about here. Well, kind of. I'm going to take it in a, in a different direction. Well, the same direction, but further um, in a second. But yeah, yeah. There, There is, I think, whether or not it is... Legitimate is not the right word, but whether or not that this is a this is a thing that that the mind can be hijacked, right. there is some recognition in human beings and it's expressed through you know this plea of insanity and 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 in other forms throughout human history there is some there is something that we accept uh where you another human is almost can't be held for responsible for their own actions because they have lost complete grip of reality right and it's not to excuse the action and the victim is still the victim right but they're they just are no longer functioning in this world Right, exactly. Do you and punish the physical body that caused the act? It's a it's a really difficult concept to kind of get your mind around. Yeah. Um. So, where I want to take this is okay. So, it human goes in, mind control happens. Human goes out in altered state. Yeah. 
what if so and i think that probably a lot of listeners would at least entertain the idea that the that through some hypnotic experience um some action some future action may be altered like you know in a very very general sense mm. so what if what if that hypnosis that everyone listening excuse me that everyone listening is thinking you know is a yo-yo uh or a pendulum gliding back and forth in front of the eyes sure for five minutes what if that takes the form of 18 years of schooling of right. propagandizing yeah right what that right if you acknowledge you know, that hypnosis and, can happen in that way, then it could happen really in many, many different ways. <laughs> yeah, and so it takes you down a really bizarre path. Um, and again, I'm not saying I, I believe, you know, I, I think ultimately, you know, every human being is responsible for their actions, but uh, that that's kind of where I'm, uh, you know, that, that's is, something This that is I'm the episode where Carr goes full moral relativist. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> just abandons the NAP altogether. <laughs> well, I think so. I think that I'm willing to accept that there is whether or not you you want to do this black and white, right or wrong. There is a a recognition in human beings that some people are are less able to take responsibility for certain actions, like mm -hmm. through either developmental. <clears throat> If you want to go completely, you know, in one direction, like like mental retardation or mm -hmm. or something like that, like just they they develop their development ended at age five mentally, and they don't they just don't grasp the concept of right or wrong. Right. You know that 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 just is not a a thing that resides in their mind, and it does not excuse it. No. Uh, but it that's doesn't your, excuse. But excuse that's your the point. Action in itself, right. but it, in some way, it it <laughs> excuses the wrong word. But it's very difficult to put that person up uh, in front of a judge and and say yes, they they consciously did this. Like like, and maybe a, a better way to illustrate this would be the difference between say first degree murder and manslaughter. Right. First degree sure. murder is premeditated. It is it is planned and executed in cold blood whereas manslaughter is there, there's a recognition that there's no responsibility there right uh well I, that sorry that was poorly worded there, there there's um, a different level of responsibility certainly a different an, level an of intention. responsibility there was no malicious intent right the, uh it, it was <clears throat> it was more based in say negligence or, right. or something like that um and i i think that there is there there is some level of that human is not um, in command of their own actions on the level that the rest of humanity is. Right. Whatever that means. <sighs> Considering everybody is having their own experience and some people just genuinely don't have the ability to grasp certain concepts anyway. Right. And then really who decides what concepts are worth grasping and, you know? Yeah, right. It's yeah, like man. a bell curve, basically. It's like you're putting out a really good argument for some sort of relativist thinking. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. You have to acknowledge these things. It's where well, it yeah. Begin? I mean, you got to talk. You know, it's it's, one it's... one of life's great mysteries is what is consciousness. Yeah. And really on is. that, uh, we'll let you want to let the listeners ponder that because 
I got some I got some other ones that probably could help you think through that. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's do that. <clears throat> so there's some sub theories to the philosophical Actually, zombie theory. Do you mind if oh. I I got to take a piss so bad? Okay, we'll pause it. Uh right, cool. commercial. Yep. <laughs> Hi folks, have you been hearing noises like this in the middle of the night? I paid in the social security. Give me what's mine. If so, that means you have a boomer problem. I can't believe that John McCain is gone. Well, don't worry, because today I am here to tell you about Sunny Acres Retirement Home and Slave Labor Camp. Here at Sunny Acres, we believe in the proper level of care for your boomer. Well, you know, it's probably a good thing that we took out that awful Saddam Hussein. Hey, baby boomer. Whiny, narcissistic, self-indulgent people with a simple philosophy. Give me it, it's mine! The best part is, it doesn't cost you a dime. You can even make money if they work hard in the mines. So go ahead and call our 1-800 number tonight, and we'll pick up your boomer as soon as possible. The piss was taken. The commercial was heard. <laughs> All right. I'm going to swing some of these at you. <clears throat> I'm going to just read them, and then you can go, hmm, and then we can read the next one. Okay. <sighs> Let me make sure I get this one right. I hope I'm not pronouncing your name wrong, but John Searle's Chinese Room Argument. So this one is... Uh, and I'll read it from the Wikipedia page, which again is cited, so don't, don't fucking get on me. Chinese room argument deals with the nature of artificial intelligence. It imagines a room. In that room, there's a conversation which is being held uh, by the means of Chinese written letters. That is the subject that actually cannot be read, right? So the, the machine uh, is, is using Chinese letters, but it can't actually read them. But it is able to manipulate meaningfully these letters using a set of algorithms. Searle holds that a program cannot give a computer a mind or understanding, regardless of how intelligently it may behave. Ooh. So, this is a sort of a anti-thought experiment that, you know, if you're programming something to do it, then it's not really ever going to be able to think on its own. And so I mm-hmm. guess you could go, well, then, who programmed man? Hmm. Well, I think the argument against that would be um, that uh, the ability to learn is programmed in. Right. That's a good one. See? Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Now the next one mm-hmm. is Swamp Man. <laughs> Ooh, I like it. Swamp Man is an imaginary character introduced by Donald Davidson. If Davidson goes hiking in a swamp and is struck and killed by a lightning bolt, while another nearby lightning bolt spontaneously rearranges a bunch of molecules so that, entirely by coincidence, they take on the exact same form of Davidson's body at the moment it had been struck, uh, Swamp Man has a brain that is structurally identical to that of Davidson and thus will presumably have exactly the same behavior. He will return to Davidson's office and write the same essays which he would have written, recognize all of his friends and family, and so on and so forth. So, mm. again, 
this is sort of the the I forget who who the uh, the, maybe it's the ship of Pericles. I'm not actually sure. The the Theseian ship. The Theseian ship, right? Uh, This is sort of that. You know, at what point do you rearrange the molecules? And once they're rearranged, are we talking about the same ship here? Because we Mm -hmm. acknowledge that it was instant, right? There wasn't a time at which it was even done. It was an instant kill, reborn. Is it the same guy? How do we know? Is David Stern's head still in his in his in his brain? Like, is it still in there? Is the thought still in there? And you could also, I've seen some people talk or or read some people talking about, uh, you know, something like in Star Trek where where they 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 they're beamed. Exactly. Does your consciousness go with you? Uh, You know, the first time you beam, do you become a pea zombie of some sort? Uh, Right. Just the the atoms destructure and restructure and you know. Well, let me give you let me give you the final example. Remember? Do you remember green light, red light? Yes. Well, here's why I, I told you to remember that. This one has to do with color. This one is called Mary's Room. This is Frank Jackson, if anyone knows who Frank Jackson is. Uh, Mary's Room is an argument based on a hypothetical scientist named Mary who is forced to view the world through a black and white television screen in a black and white room. Mary is a brilliant scientist who knows everything about the neurobiology of vision. Even though Mary knows everything about color and its perception, what combination of wavelengths the sky makes blue and what combination of wavelengths maybe lava is red, uh, she has never actually seen color. If she was to be released from this room and was to experience color for the first time, would she learn anything new? That's the one I want to leave it on, because... That's the weirdest one. That if you know all of the properties of something, what actually makes seeing it different if you've already seen all of its components? Hmm. You know? Yeah. Like if you took all of the ingredients of a cake, right, together, cooked whatever needs to be cooked, blah, 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 but you just mashed it together. Yeah, not actually yeah, I, in the form of a cake. Is it any different if you actually eat a slice of cake? And if so, what is the difference? Mm. Where is the difference held? <laughs> Those are my thought experiments, and I, I, I hope I've jogged your brain a little bit on, on some of this. Yeah. Yeah, it's a... Uh, now, it's interesting... I, look, I do want to do a disclaimer here. Uh, I'm a verified idiot, uh, <laughs> and I don't actually really know anything, and so I'm sure people who are far more intelligent than, than I, who are far more philosophically minded than I, are screaming and going, no, this has already been disproven, Ugh! just chill, man, look, if, if you want to come on and you want to, you have real evidence to disprove this, you know, you kind of sound like, uh, a lame and so, you know, don't, don't ruin all of our fun. But you're probably correct. Let's just have fun here. Well, regardless of proven or disproven, it's still a fun thought experiment for for each individual to go through and and, uh, keep an eye out for that guy, Steve, that gets to work at 8 a.m. every morning and leaves at 5 p.m. every evening. Maybe ask him. Yeah, yeah. Spy on him. Maybe, like, poke him 
with a needle, see how he responds. See if he see really if he feels responds. it. Yeah, yeah. You got to make sure he's not looking though when you poke him with a needle, so right. that he doesn't perceive that he must respond. Right. Exactly. Because it's all based on sight. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's what we've learned. It's all based on sight. No other sense. <laughs> Uh, man, that's all. That, that's a lot to chew on. Uh, we, and we fit it into a shorter episode than usual. So there you go. You know, you're right. You're right. Um, I don't know. Do Do we have anything else that we want to discuss, or do we want to leave this a little bit open minded for for for? I definitely want listeners? to jog some minds. I want people to go out. I want them to look for answers to these questions, if there are any, and really to just kind of engage. You know, we both got twitters. Engage us. See what we got. You know, yeah, fo- give us a, follow give him us a, on uh, Car Flampet, uh, and then follow me at Birdarchist, uh, as in anarchist or or minarchist, but with bird in front of it. Follow me, and uh, yeah, follow him at that account that I just said because you know he needs a lot of clout. Oh, and if you don't I'm, find the account, don't look any further. He might have just. I'm, ge- I'm gonna actually go make that alt account right now. <laughs> Car Flampet. <laughs> yeah. All right, everybody. Uh, yeah. uh, we got some plugs, I'm sure, as usual. Yeah, go check out um, Anarchy Bowl, uh, Freeman Beyond the Wall podcast with Mance Raider, Rollo and Slappy Show, uh, McFlugel.com, Liberty Mugs, Liberty Mugs, uh, Peaceful Treason oh, guys. Wait, sorry, hold on. With shortly, uh, Dino Files, Jeremiah Harding, uh, Tasting Anarchy, and the Crypto Economy Podcast. Uh, I just had a Crypto Economy Podcast just did a review of one of my articles, so that was pretty cool. He did, uh, released it on last Friday, so go take give that a listen. Uh, everybody. Is that all we got? I think so. I think we're good. Awesome. Well, that was it. I really enjoyed that episode. And stick around, guys. Like we said, go out, get a friend in on this October because I think find a uh, fag. We've got find a fag. Hashtag find a fag. Uh, or convert a fag or uh, recruit a fag. And <laughs> find a fag, convert a fag, but never hurt a fag. But never heard of that. Uh, yeah, get them out here for this October because I think it's it's going to be really fun. Actually, you know, we've got a lot of really cool stuff lined up from now, basically till the end of the year. So I think it's I, I think October is going to be sweet, but I, I'm actually almost more excited for for what's coming. That's true because so, we do have some big uh, names coming on. Hopefully, you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. And until next week, keep two hands on the wheel. Peace.